What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. (laughs) Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Puff, puff, pass. Hell no, we won't go. (laughs) Welcome back to the the Soy Boy Sobriety Hour. Oh, is that what it is? (laughs) I don't know. This soup is for my family. (laughs) Yes, the soup is for my family. S is for soup soup for my my family. family. Yeah, yeah. We're both... uh, Big things. John's in uh, Central California in an Airbnb. I am. I'm sitting in a uh, in a little coastal seaside town. I mean, I guess coastal and seaside are identical. Um, visiting with family, visiting with my mother and my brother. And um, it's been really good. Like I was telling you earlier, there's a lot of uh, going through old stuff and you know, sort of, I don't want to say tying up loose ends. It's not like she's disappeared. Yeah, you tomorrow. said that, that made me like, I was like, there was a finality to it that I was like, damn, I, do you need a moment or? No, I don't think it's like that, but it's like, I've had these conversations with my mom before and, mm-hmm. you know, like, she's always like, well, when I go this, this, and this. And so it was kind of like, well, okay, well, let's get a head start on that because we're still, I mean, she's only. <laughs> let's start throwing her, was... your shit away now, <laughs> Barbara. Let's just throw it all away now. Well, originally, it was like, I just wanted her to stop talking about it. I was like, yeah. you're not going anywhere. It came down here for her 70th birthday. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you're not going anywhere. 70 is not like super old. You know, you're still mobile, like all that stuff. And so then it was kind of like I was trying to call her bluff. Like, mm-hmm. well, then let's get rid of this stuff. Let's do it. And so we did. We just went through some stuff. It was fun to go through some old photos. And I grabbed some old stuff and um weird shit that i had done as a kid and you know yeah. whatever but it's so yeah, i've been looking at your instagram feed <laughs> it's just random ass it's just, pictures just john oversharing <laughs> i guess no your childhood pictures are great they're not oversharing at all yeah. they're not actually it's it's i like it but uh it's just it's just funny to go through these and be like oh yeah i remember that trip or i remember that or oh wow that was that was third grade jesus i don't know good so, fashion choices you know but yeah, exactly. That's the other thing is like, I mean, the fact, I mean, you don't really make the choices as a kid. But. No, they just dress you in whatever shit they find that they know will last long. And then you walk around look like a goofball. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, just like I did to my daughter, you know, mm-hmm. when she was little, everything had a unicorn or an ice cream cone on it. Because you know? <laughs> that's, that was the style of the day. That, that was, was the fashion. This, the fashion of the day of 2013. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, man. So it's just, it's been, it's been, it's been a really good trip. My back is feeling a lot better. That's something that I would say. You've been running at all or no? I ran a couple times on the beach. I've been going on a lot of walks with my mom. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I was telling you too, 
it seems beautiful out there. The sun is shining. It'll say it's like 64 degrees. You're like, God, this is perfect. And then you get out on the beach and it feels like these 10 or 15 mile an hour winds just blow up on you from the water. And it's yeah. like, <sighs> so <clears throat> I'll probably get out there after we do this, but um, it's, it's pretty nice. I mean, I don't do this a lot at home, obviously on the beach cause it's colder up there up North, but um, yeah. What about you? Are you still- Man, it's been a whirlwind, bro. <laughs> but I mean, are you still running out there? You still got your, your yeah. track? And you, yeah. yeah, I ran today. Nice. Yeah, I ran today. It was a really good run today. It was cold and windy. Not windy, but it was cold and raining. It was like perfect weather for running. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, every other time it's like hot as fuck, dude. And I got to leave the house at like 7, 6. I'm starting to have to leave the house earlier every day um i'll probably have to start leaving around six that means i'll have to start getting up at five just so i don't burn out you know in the Damn. middle of the run but i don't know it's the only time really at this point other than painting that i feel okay so running and painting we'll just keep doing that and then the rest of the day i'll just feel lousy and then we'll see how it goes right yeah no. yeah <laughs> running and painting i mean i mean if i can fill the day with painting then i don't have to yeah. I can just be in the garage alone. Right. It's working yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It's the days that I don't paint that I'm like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. No. Well, I mean, you're not asking <laughs> me for advice or anything. I get it. You got shit going on and we all do. Everybody's got something, but. Yeah. Yeah. I did see know. a bunch of wild shit though this week. What What did you see? Well, I got to clear out this lot next to the house. We're trying to save money by clearing out the lot ourselves. And the lot's overgrown with uh, prickly pear pack, cactus and barrel cactus and, and mesquite trees and shit. So we got to cut all that back and make big piles. And then my dad rents a dumpster and they drop the dumpster at the property. And we use the tractor we have here to fill the dumpster with all the detritus and shit. And like in one day, man. So my job is to, he clears it all out with the tractor because I don't want to fuck the tractor up. So I just let him ride the tractor. I'm like, I'm better with a shovel than a tractor. I don't want to fuck your stuff up. So he like pushes all the prickly pear. Prickly pear is very heavy and it's very uh, unwieldy. Dealing with a prickly pear, because it's like a flat thing with all these pads. And if you get part of it in a bucket of a tractor, the other part swings out and knocks, you know what I mean? And then you have, yes. unwieldy, you have thousands of pounds of it because it's, it's it's overgrown here it's like the blackberry bushes in oregon so i have to stand there with a shovel and push you know push against him while he's getting it all in the bucket so we can flip it up and over so i'm great man i got my overalls on big fucking gloves you know dumb cowboy hat and i'm like pushing everything in there and i'm getting like in the thicket like in the big pile pushing in this thicket of blackberry and so he takes the thing off and i just i swing the shovel at one of the pads to like cut it down you know and when I do, it goes pink and the pad goes flying off. And I look down and there's a fucking four inch scorpion just coming out of the, the pad. And they're like, like sandy colored. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had hit it perfectly where I knocked the tail off of it completely. So the tail went flying somewhere. This thing was four inches, just the body, the body without the legs and the tail. It was like a big, <clears throat> it was a big yellow scorpion. Right. So uh, I immediately back up off the thicket and I, untie my boots and tuck my pants into my boots because i just picture what i'm going up and biting me on the thigh so the rest of the, so like the while we're continuing to work i'm much more aware of standing in this bush right mm-hmm. so after we fill the whole dumpster up my dad's like well let's take the rakes and rake what we have left over into smaller piles so we don't you don't have to stand in these giant 
berms of, of fucking cactus. So I'm raking the pile. I flip over a pile to rake it and a fucking sandy colored tarantula comes crawling out. And that guy's like, you know, a good six inch. He's a big fucker. He's as big as my little bit smaller in my hand. And that one didn't scare me as much. It was like looking at a mouse. It's kind of cute. Right. So I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, get out of here, buddy. You know, and uh, that's great. So I, and so then about an hour later, I'm pulling on this big other big pile and I can feel it. I'm like, there's a fucking rattlesnake. There's got to be a rattlesnake in this pile. There's got to be a rattlesnake in this pile. And I swing one arm lengths out and pull it out. And it's like a, you know, rakes length away. And there's a big fat fucking rattlesnake just right there. Like, hey, what's up, buddy? And I even pointed and yelled, I knew it. There it is. I fucking knew it. And like backed up, like jumped. Like gave me the willy so bad. So then we spent the next 10 minutes trying to rouse this rattlesnake out of his pile so we could cut its head off because you have to kill the snakes apparently or they come on the property and bite the dogs. Right. We didn't find it. So in one day I saw a fucking scorpion, a tarantula and a rattlesnake. And the day before that we had to get a Gila monster out of the yard which is a lizard about as big as my dog. Jesus. Yeah, so that was my... That was just how I started the week. This fucking state. <laughs> just, what the fuck have I done? That's what I just wake up every morning going, what the fuck have I done? And then we went camping, and that was all right. I kind of... Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the outdoors, I realized. And I can try to, I, yeah, try to keep my to complaining to a minimum, but I tried my hardest. I guess I complained a lot, according to my wife, but shitting outside is just not really up on my list of priorities it's not fun no was there was there was it like over a log or was it like in nope. a you box? just dig a hole squat down <clears throat> so i bought so when i went to joshua tree when i was out in the mm-hmm. desert i bought a um basically it's just a little shovel but it's like you it can it's measured so that you dig just deep enough so that you can mm-hmm. um, bury it and uh i didn't have to use it um good for but, you it's life-changing <laughs> but they sell them at rei you can get little shit yeah kit. but the thing about this is we're in the san rafael valley which is like i don't know like 40 40 50 miles south of here it's between mm-hmm. nogales and here and it's all rock i mean once you hit the dust and you try to dig i mean you get five inches of dust and then a rock you know so you try to get far enough away from the campsite so no one sees you taking a shit and then you try to dig a hole in this the, the whole thing was strange man and then of course my nephews were there and it was like a pretty good family experience i had a pretty okay time i just have never been an outdoors person and this right is, everybody around me is an outdoors person and they started calling me city slicker just like okay because i prefer to stay in like a resort with a bed you know? well so here's the thing and like i i would have to agree with you in that yeah, i'm an urban I, man I prefer, I love the outdoors, but I love coming home to a bed and a toilet and running right. water. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's go right. out for the day, but let's come home. Yeah. I'm, I'm already camping as it is. I'm on a fucking cot in a six foot space. Nothing changed except I was on an air mattress and, mm-hmm. and I had to poop outside. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's why I didn't want to stay in my brother's trailer. This right. Trip. Do you know what I mean? You're like, man, I'm not really. So, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's it just is what it is, man. I'm dealing with giant transitions in my life and doing it sober, I guess. And mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, say. well, at least I'm not hung over out here shitting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to somebody about it and about being hung over or they were just, they were so relieved and they're like, yeah, I haven't been hung over in a while. And I was like, it's pretty good, isn't it? And, you know, I mean, and fucking sobriety is not, 
that the pink cloud is is long gone right yeah <laughs> you fuck know all what that, i mean dude. like promises <laughs> i, <laughs> I pro- the a promises should just be like i promise you're gonna have to deal with all this shit without getting fucked up so <laughs> yeah, good luck I out promise there I hope you. you got a good fucking emotional you know what I mean? A good emotional <laughs> shovel. Happy all fucking relapse because life fucking sucks sometimes. And yeah, you gotta do without getting fucked up. Oh, oh word, I do. Damn. I, have I mean, to. I don't have to. You cho- you choose to. You right? choose no. to. Choose it's to. better if you do. I mean, it's better if I do. Yeah, I don't let. I'm not trying to be negative. I no. I am negative though. I can't help it. It's just I've also learned that in this great experiment of mine of moving home is that I'm an incredibly negative person. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and i'm uh, like really prone to these like heavy bouts of depression and i'm just like what's the fucking <clears throat> use right but you got to do it for other people i guess at the end of the day you got to do it I, I i always found that like doing it i think originally i got sober for everybody else mm-hmm. until yeah, i figured pretty it out much here to, same here too i guess do, do it on my own um but like do you find i mean i don't know you don't you don't I don't know what the letter is. What's today? S. Today's S. <clears throat> um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about sponsorship. Um, okay. Both in the program and out. Don't ask um, me to sponsor you. I'm a fucking mess. Jerry. <clears throat> I'm going to teach you how to be sad. So, so let me, can I ask you just really quickly? You Nobody, say I'm the listeners can't hear me. See me smiling, but yeah, no, he's smiling. Um, I'm smiling. Do you find that the negativity like if you were just to sort of do a brief psychoanalysis on yourself, do you think it's like a defense mechanism? Do you like, do you, is it just where you rest? Is the depression more of a, I mean, obviously it's an emotional thing that you deal with every day just as a baseline when it comes. Right. And so, yeah, sort of be, it's beyond your control. I'm not saying like, just be positive, Jerry, everything will be fine. But oh, I love um, that one. do you, do you find that it's like a defense mechanism or are you just, are just fucking tired of is it just external or is it internal i don't know it's okay. a great question i okay. think i have bad chemicals in my head that get sparked off by a trigger yeah but there's also choices i make i've always been a negative person though you've known me your entire life i've always been a pessimist not drinking isn't going to change me being a pessimist that's the thing i kind of want to say is i don't want to discourage anyone from being going through recovery you should because i i'm able to handle it a little better i guess but mm-hmm. there's still i don't know man it's just hard to explain i've always since i was a little kid i've been a pessimist because i feel like all i ever really saw in the world was nothing good mm-hmm. and all the good things were brief just to set you up for something bad which is and then my mom's like why are you so fucking negative and i'm like i learned it from watching you you know which makes me laugh but I don't, I don't, I just don't know. I, I honestly can't put my finger on it. I think right now I'm dealing with a heavier emotional workload than I have in years, you know, because coming mm-hmm. home, can't come home, right? Can't go home is not what they can't say. Can't go home, can't go home again. And I didn't realize like what kind of emotional weight I'd be carrying around here. I really did. I like totally, if I could go back in time, I'd be like, maybe you should rethink this a little bit like really explore it really explore that feeling because it was really really optimistic you know mm-hmm. and there are positive things happening in my life but they require a lot they yeah. require a lot of time and effort you know which i'm not used to doing i was pretty cushy in eugene dude I just go to the tattoo shop be sad there come home and 
drink some Diet Cokes and play some video games to go to bed. And this is a whole different thing now, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, man. It's really hard to explain. I think in, in recovery though, I, uh, I don't know if I were drunk, I would have shot myself a long time ago, dude. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm so I don't mean to laugh, but I mean I no, but it's it's funny as fuck though because like, <laughs> like these past six years, a long time ago. yeah, dude. Because these past six oh. years have been like from really crazy shit. As I get older, you know, mm-hmm. and this past year, dude, it's not even just coming home. It's like coming off of being in quarantine and lockdown for an entire year and then coming home to this and then mm-hmm. getting a vaccination and being like, yeah, I can go out there in the world. But even when you're out there in the world, it's still, still happening. And on top of everything else, fuck man, this year has been this whole life this past since I didn't even realize it, like how bad it was going to get, you know, emotionally. And since- I was like, great. I got to carry all this shit around too. And how self-centered I am, which is just a uh, fucking, it's just a uh, symptom of our malady, right? I mean, like we're sitting here on a podcast talking about our fucking malady and the problems we have with alcoholism, focusing all on us and our experience. Well, I, I was you asking know? you. I mean, I was asking do. you. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's self-centered if I ask you a question like, "How are you doing?" Not at all. No, 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 not at all. I'm just saying it's self-centered in the sense that, like, my depression really is a lot of vanity. Like, things should be easier for me. They're not, and it's not easier for anyone. That was also my big pet peeve too. Is they're like, my family's really big on like other people have it harder, so you should be grateful. And I'm like, no. Now I just feel bad for the motherfucker who has it harder, and bad for me for being so selfish. That didn't help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, man. You know, it is what it is, right? It's always like there's people starving in China, so eat all your dino-shaped fucking chicken nugs, Jerry. Come on. Eat all your tendies and be a good boy. And shut and up. Physical chicken tendies. I think that's something you said a while back. I, yeah, it all it is. It was, it, all it really is is like your sadness is annoying. So stop being sad. I'm like, okay, I'll be in the garage. I'm gonna go paint some clouds. <laughs> I'm gonna go work on this never ending. So and not to drop an egg in this podcast. No, but you're you're saying that there's a huge emotional weight that has been not only put upon you in the last year because of COVID. I, yeah. But things mm-hmm. that you had been and then coming home have been exposed, opened up, or added to the workload, the emotional workload of just well, existing. Yeah. I'm dealing with like building a house here. I'm dealing with dealing with money with my parents. I'm dealing with the guilt of me fucking my parents out of money previously. I'm dealing with the guilt of having them finance their home one more time while they're on the edge of of retirement and making sure that they're not destitute because i wanted to live in a fucking house do you know what i mean like i'm just dealing with all that like internally and the fact i'm like can i keep my family afloat here can my wife and i keep my family afloat you know like there's just a lot of factors in it there's just a lot to think about and i overthink like i wake up every day and i'm like is today going to be a shitty day? Like I literally ask myself that question every morning. Is today going to be a shitty day? And so I like lay there on my cot and I stare at the ceiling. (laughs) And I'm like, is today going to be a heavy day? We'll see, Mm -hmm. you know, because I can't, you know, and some days I wake up and I don't even need, I just open my eyes and I'm like, today's going to fucking suck. And then some days I wake up and I'm like, well, let's see. I don't, I rarely wake up nowadays being like, today's going to fucking kill it because there's, I don't know. I'm just like an inert. I love that word, but I'm just like water. I'm just clear. 
every morning when I wake up and then I wait to see what goes into the water, whether it gets muddy or whether it's filled it with sharks, <laughs> filled with sharks or gets a little crystal light. Who knows, man? And oh, I yeah. hate this to be the like Jerry sad podcast. It's just what I've been dealing with since for the past few months. And I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. okay, well let's do this podcast to talk about recovery. But you know, my big takeaway from recovery is like, they're like, it gets better. It gets better. And it does, but you still got to eat shit. Like that's life. That's being a human being and having emotions and dealing with life. And I guess I say that every podcast, but like, yeah, it gets better. It sometimes it gets fucking worse too, though. At the same time, it does both. And then that's where, you know, if I was saying this to my dad, he'd chime in and be like, now listen, Jerry, other people have it a lot worse than you do. You got to know there's other people out there. <clears throat> homeless. I guess that's, you know, I'm like, I well, mean, I'm kind of homeless too. Yeah. In my own weird way. Yeah. House houseless. So that's why I'm hesitant to try and like, you're not asking me for any advice, right? I'm asking no, you how you're I mean, feeling. You can, you can throw it into the pot though. Cause this is, this podcast is us just giving listeners advice yeah. on how to deal with recovery, but framing it in the, in the statement, in those pot, in those I statements, this is what worked for me. I mean, that's the whole crux of the fucking program is what worked for me. Right. I'm giving you advice, but I'm not telling you and pointing my finger. I'm saying, this is what worked for me. Right with the footnote of maybe you should try that, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I am just kind of, I've mentioned this, this, this concept before, and we're not really discussing about the, I'm, I'm going to be talking to my sponsor later on in the, uh, in the episode. So stay Uh tuned for that. But, um, but I, (laughs) I just, I, I feel bad here because we're going off on a tangent, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important. And when I hear you talk about these things and one of the things that has helped me and I don't deal with depression in the same way or to the same magnitude, nor uh, as you do, right? Mm-hmm. But um, of course, there's always like, you know, one day at a time, live in the moment. This is the moment that matters. Yesterday doesn't exist anymore. Tomorrow doesn't exist yet. There's no reason to think about it. If, But at least since my vaccination and being able to come down here and see my mother, and yeah. like, that's been something that's been really helpful, not just to, to me, but to her, I can kind of like look out and I go, huh, what about in a year? Like, what's our conversation going to be like in a year about this time in your life? You're going to be like, well, it still fucking sucked, but maybe there'll be something at some point. I imagine there will be some clear water on the horizon, um, yeah. even if it's fucking muddy and filled with tarantulas right now or whatever you fuck know what i mean snakes dude that's snakes, snakes. Big as fuck dude and it did not rattle they don't rattle in the suburbs they just know better that it's or- like genetic it's like it literally is genetics like the snakes that rattle die so the mm. ones that don't rattle have babies it's no shit genetic. so living yeah. with humans they have learned not to rattle not even learn it's just like a genetic thing like all the ones that have rattled their bloodline's gone because someone cut their head off with a shovel <laughs> so all the ones that didn't have the reflex to rattle keep propagating because they get away so, so yeah i flipped that fucking cactus over and that snake did not rattle he coiled and looked right at me and he was i was like a good you know a rake's length away so i was like good six feet away so he'd really have to stretch to hit me but yeah they don't rattle hmm. the water's interesting full of, full of full of snakes don't drink the water jerry Get these motherfucking snakes out of this motherfucking water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when snakes on a plane, I was so excited when that was coming out. That was a simpler time. I got drunk, fell asleep. 
when I watched it. <laughs> I don't I don't even know if I saw it. I think I just enjoyed the concept of it. I think I might have caught it on TNT like three right. years later. You know what I mean? Um, but so sorry, so, I didn't mean to tangent. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's fine, man. I feel I feel for you. And, you know, like, honestly, if there was something I could do Thank or you. say to make you feel better, I mean, I, I would just say. I hope you feel better, but like, I know that that's, I say it as genuinely as I Buck can, up, but, I, <laughs> but I know, I know that, I know. but I know that sounds I fucking, know I know that sounds kind of empty sometimes There's people are like, yeah, buck up little, little buckaroo. You're going to be okay. The sun's yeah. still shining. Look at no. that. You got your nice hat on. You're drinking an ice mocha or whatever, you know, go get yourself a, a bunt cake, soda, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't a bunt cake, but, um, well, dude, but it really is this too shall pass. Cause it will pass. It just mm-hmm. sucks. I'm just, I'm just in the moment. I'm just like not feeling great about things, but it'll pass dude. And I really hate to, to steer the whole conversation or bring anyone down. Or I, I hate to do that. Shit. I really don't. I don't like being a Debbie downer. I used to love it. I used to love it, dude. People would be like, I had a great time in high school. And I'm like, they called me the F word, pushed me out of the locker room naked. Bam, suck on that egg. Fuck your good time. I used to love doing that shit, but I don't like it anymore. It feels gross, man. I don't want to make other people feel bad. I just, I can't help. It's just, I got that face on my fucking face. Do you know what I mean? It just reminds me of like hereditary where the mom yells at the kid and she's like, I slaved away my whole fucking life. And there you are sitting there with that face on your fucking face. I haven't seen Like, I just can't help. Oh, it's a wild, it's insane. But I just can't help having that face on my face. Like I just can't, I just carry everything mm-hmm. outside. So even if internally I'm feeling lousy, like everybody's going to know it because mm-hmm. I just can't fucking help not showing it to people. I try. I practice yeah. smiling sometimes. I really do. Like I'll sit in the back garage and paint and pretend to smile so I don't have to fucking bum everybody out, you know, because I'm just, I got to wait. I got to wait, wait on me and it'll pass. It'll pass mm-hmm. or it won't. And it won't. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I the, None of this shit is certain. That's why they always say, wait five minutes, wait five minutes for the miracle and the meetings and shit. So maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, so, so I think too, one of the, one of the, one of the salves of uh salve or salve, 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 salve for feeling bad um, or at least getting out of your own head has always been for me, some sort of service to something else or someone right. else. And, you know, that can mean any number of things, whether it be helping a friend or another alcoholic or a family member. Um, and sometimes, so we need guidance. We need sponsorship. And what does sponsorship mean? And you're like, fucking sponsor me. Like, like a NASCAR driver, like mm-hmm. a, like a, who else gets sponsored? Like, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm wearing a jacket that says Pennzoil. Right. Pro you know, skaters get sponsored. Pro, sp- pro spaghetti, spaghetti, skaters. Spaghetti um, skaters. <laughs> spaghetti the sponsorship thing is going to be more in your realm because I don't sponsor nor have a sponsor. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm feeling lousy because I can't call fucking Carl, who's got 32 years sober, who remembers when they used to smoke in the meetings and be like, I'm sad. And he'll be like, do 20 pushups and say a fucking Hail Mary, Jerry you know so you I don't already know. you got it in you i mean that's what you need to do is do 20 push-ups and say hail mary that'll change fucking 40 yesterday you know <laughs> um i did find see this thing where they were actually they you get a resistance band around your arm mm-hmm. so that you're not doing your full weight but you can oh yeah four of mm-hmm. them so so okay so i'll go i'll talk a little bit about sponsorship here now you did you did have a sponsor for a while you may not have sponsored somebody and that's I had a sponsor too. for the first few years of my recovery. Yeah, yeah. for the yeah, first okay. like 
two years, three years. Um, and I think <clears throat> for me, the importance was, okay, so I imagine somebody listening wants to get sober and maybe they're still drinking or maybe they're in recovery, but they haven't really jumped in and at least just in the program that we're a part of. The whole purpose and point of reaching out to somebody is like, oh, I like what you have. You seem to have it together. Or if you don't have it fully together, you seem to have a good demeanor. You seem to have a good understanding. You seem to be, for me, it was like somebody who was calm and level-headed and who spoke um, in my mind very thoughtfully, right? Yeah. And so I went and I talked to this person. Again, I was extraordinarily skeptical. But in the time that we spent together and him before he moved away, you know, we, we would you know, get together every week and read the book and talk about things and sometimes just talk about things like it didn't, but it was about trying to relearn how to fucking run my life. Cause I didn't know how I had fallen so down the, you know, the cactus hole. I was so fucking, you know what I mean? Like that was, it was awful down there. And that's, I mean, I, I'm not trying to make a whole cactus metaphor here, but it was like, it was, I had no idea how to run my life. I was barely hanging on. I barely ever, I made just enough money to pay my bills and get drunk every single night. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that was, yeah. that wasn't working anymore because I couldn't get drunk or I would get too drunk or I was unable to function in the hours between drunks. Yeah. And that was the breaking point. I think now that I look back on it, it was the hours between drunks. It was the hangover in the morning till I could get my first drink at like whatever time it was. Mm -hmm. um, but the sponsorship thing, I think, is just finding some sort of mentor because we've, I didn't know how to live life. I had spent some, about 17, 18 years just being drunk and just barely functioning and calling it, you know, manageable. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, the help I got was immeasurable, even if it was me fighting it. And I don't know if you, did you take to it? Cause I know we had a couple, we had different, um, uh, how we came to sobriety was a little bit different. How we came to recover, I, um, to be a little more accepting and ready wasn't, than I was. I, I, if I was, I wasn't resistant. Like I asked mm -hmm. a friend of mine who had already gone through the steps mm -hmm. and he was like, well, I'm not going to officially sponsor you, but I'll help you work the steps because I didn't want to ask anybody because I didn't know any of these fucking people. I didn't know what sponsorship entailed. I didn't know what I wanted my commitment or obligation to be. So I didn't ask any stranger, hey, sponsor me. Because this is me and my personality is really weird. I, I guess it's not weird. I, I think a lot of people feel really weird about asking a stranger, hey, uh, help me not be a piece of shit anymore. Do you know what I mean? And so the person who had took me into the rooms, this is from my perspective. I don't think you're a piece of shit listener. You just you got shit going on. But this person who led me into this room that used to be my home group, they helped me out a lot because when I was reading the book, he doesn't, Bill never mentions, Bill never mentions sponsorship. He never does. Mm -hmm. um, he mentions True. working with another alcoholic who has gone through the steps. That's all the basis of it. Just so they can show you how they did it. And maybe you can do mm -hmm. it that way. So I find sponsorship, from my perspective to be helpful and it can be incredibly fucking problematic as well because you're leaving your mental health in you're leaving another alcoholic in charge of your mental health and a lot of us <laughs> and i i know we're laughing yeah. i make i crack on alkies you know but a lot mm -hmm. of us aren't fucking they even say we're not a hotbed of mental fucking health 
Mm-hmm. So you've got this other person who has their own set of shit telling you, well, this is how I did it. And you need to do it exactly the way I did it. And I just never got off on that whole boot camp version of AA where they're like empty fucking ashtrays worm. And well, they didn't say worm, but you know what I mean? Like you need to keep your mouth shut. You don't know shit, you know? And I'm like, is this boot camp or is this me trying to fucking find recovery? Like, I don't expect everything to be a soft pillow because life's <laughs> not a soft pillow. It eats dick sometimes. So, right. You know, so for me, sponsorship was always like really weird. It was, it was, and I was very uncomfortable to ask. It's good to ask for help. You should, but I I was uncomfortable with it. And I think a lot of my recovery has been very rocky because I haven't had a constant with the exception of this podcast and you, do you know what I mean? Like, and even that I, we sponsor each other in a weird way. Like we work with, I'm working with another Mm -hmm. alcoholic and as much as I don't want to do this, sometimes I still show up because I know that it will benefit me in some way totally self-centered like this will totally benefit my ass so let's do it mm-hmm. um but working with a sponsor in the traditional way I, I i i just didn't do it would i recommend it yes because it will help you out a lot to work with another alcoholic who knows what you're going through but if that other alcoholic's being shady because we are shady motherfuckers and manipulative and get what we want sometimes mm-hmm. and try to get it ghost out you don't need that motherfucker to keep you sober like yeah Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if we just look at it, so we can't trust an alcoholic because alcoholics are shady. It's such a mixed message. I'm so sorry. No, but you, you do, you do make a good point because I know myself, I knew myself. I've definitely changed in a lot of ways, but I find the same patterns of thinking over and over. And I'm better at like checking myself and not going into that. But if we just simplify it and say, I need, help with whatever the next thing is in my life. And I'm looking for a mentor who has a little more experience than I do. Boom. See, that's right? a better way of phrasing it. Yeah, absolutely. Go, okay. So this, you have experience in this one particular aspect. You're like, okay, I'm just going to try this thing with these steps, whatever the hell this big blue book is. And this person says they've gone through it. And I kind of like the way they talk. So maybe they can show me the way. And then, but this is the other thing. And I think this is something your dad said. He's like, you don't have to marry the guy. If you don't like him, get out. Right. You know? And, you know, my only experience with sponsoring someone was I sponsored a woman. And I told her from the beginning, and I told her every single time we met, I said, mm-hmm. now this is, again, we had we had a history, you know, I was, I, like, I worked her wedding, and um, we had known each other for a while. So we mm-hmm. were we were friends, but... Um, But I just, I kept telling her that you need to find another woman to work with. Like, it's Mm -hmm. important. There are things and there are experiences you've had as a woman that I cannot, well, I will not be able to empathize or understand Mm -hmm. in any real capacity, but we still did it. And I told her this, you know, every single time. And you, because again, we don't say no. Um, But I, and I, and I also know that when I went through that process with her, I was not responsible. And I thought about this many times, like, well, this is all fresh for this person. They may relapse. This may not stick. I can only do this part. And what do they say in the program? It's about keeping you sober, right? Yeah. So even if you have a dozen sponsees and they all go out and get drunk, if you didn't drink, you're doing fine. So it's just another tool 
for us to use in the whole program. Sometimes we don't know what's going to help another person and we yeah. don't know how it's going to help another person. And sometimes it doesn't help. And sometimes we make mistakes and sometimes, sometimes it just helps us at least for that hour that you're talking to somebody. <clears throat> and like, I don't, I don't co-sponsors or whatever we are. I mean, we're just friends and just trying to like, Figure we're just this two alcoholics out. working together. We're not mm -hmm. even really working steps together. We're just two alcoholics navigating life together. Because we did, you know, we did that twelve and twelve. Went through the book and tried to interpret it. To interpret it, you mm -hmm. know, the way we interpret it. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I don't know. I think it worked out pretty good. Yeah. Do you think turned we need, into a do you, podcast? <laughs> do you think we need to go back and do some book study, Jerry? Maybe, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of half joking, but then I'm like, it's been a well, while see, since man, I've I looked went at to that. that. And I went to that meeting last week and felt mm -hmm. really good for a few days. And then I was like, but then I started thinking like, fuck, do I need these meetings to feel good? Is that what's going to make me feel good is going to a fucking meeting? So maybe I should go to more meetings and just do that for a while until I could kind of fly off my own again. Well, yeah, I don't know. there's somebody right now running, listening to this or driving their car. Like, yeah, Jerry, you need to go to more fucking meetings. Stupid. You know, well, let like, me, let me ask you this. So, Hey God, you said, fuck, really? I got to go to these meetings. What? I mean, just to what feel you, happy. So what did you, gonna make do you me think happy? you're just going to magically be happy all the time? If you don't do anything for it, God I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm like. Well, but the yeah. meeting is just, I just felt good to be around. Yeah. Others like me, but I live with, two alcoholics, two recovering alcoholics who have been, but they've been sober for decades. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and that's great, but they're also my parents. They like raised me. It's different. They, yeah, yeah, it is different. There's we, our history is way deeper than some dude over here named Bill. Who's a 65 year old fucking weirdo who I can get. I can get him though. I get him. Even <laughs> though he's, you know, got um, a fucking fake news network sticker on his car or whatever. I still get him. Like I still get him. So maybe that's what I need to do more often. I'm going to start. Going I know back it is. Now. The answer is like right fucking there too. It's mm -hmm. so stupid. Sometimes I get just caught up in my own head, but yeah. you're right. And the sponsorship thing is incredibly helpful. It is the pretty much the keystone of this whole fucking program. Other than it's one of the problematic keystones of this. Let's say this Can program be. is a shitload of problematic keystones, but I still love it. And it's still important to me. And it's really, really important to the people around me, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but I, I'm still, I still feel like I'm within my rights to be critical of it at times. You know, if you can't question the program that helped helped you recover, well, then you're not. Then you're then you're just using it as another ideology and, and looking at it as another idol. You know, it's almost a hundred years old, so it's okay to like <laughs> some shit needs to fucking fix a little Maybe, bit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like I, even the whole spiritual, like because we've talked about this past, and you even said, well, it's a problem with you personally. You're like, uh, it's a spiritual malady for me as well. You know, where I looked at it and I was like. Uh, not for, I mean, yes and no, you know, maybe a sense of morality I absolutely needed to brush up on, but was it that I was missing God? I don't know. See, even that could be a whole other podcast, you know, and my doubts of like whether or not I was missing. They could be two separate things. I could have absolutely. been missing, missing God mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. We can use whatever word spirituality. I could have been missing that all along, not really interested in, in incorporating that into a part of me that was helpful and, and, and that was helpful in just living my life. And then I was drinking on top of that. So there was, there was no working on this and I was putting myself in a deficit. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying you have to be spiritual. Well, I just not, found not you though. I just meant you use as because it's me. in the literature as well. Yeah. yeah. You had just said it before. I guess yeah. I wasn't like, 
trying to be like you it's you john you're the one who puts jesus in my fucking recovery <laughs> program no that's bill and them mm-hmm. from the 30s trying to figure out right how to horn fucking god in this thing. i don't know it's some crazy shit but i found it extraordinarily difficult to horn god into my own life and so once that's... i got a little bit i was like mm-hmm. okay this makes sense and i still think about it all the time jerry i was like in the shower the other day and i was like where is this higher power man how do i define this what is this because i know people who have like very deeply defined and i'm not talking about jesus or no i know what you mean though like like, these things happen to like that's 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 such and such and so and so you know it could very well could be i don't know but i know that when coincidences happen in my life i'm like does this Mm -hmm. huh but then it always comes with a fucking weird tail end on it it's never like cut and dry but that's life that's never cut and dry no one ever gives you a hundred dollar bill without fucking shit punching you in the stomach. Yeah. There's all his <laughs> there's crap a, attached to it. There's a kids in the hall skit where he goes and he meets this one guy at their, like a business meeting or something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Kevin McDonald and Scott Thompson or Dave Foley. And Dave Foley's just this fucking weirdo. He's like, hi, nice to meet you. And the, the uh-huh. other guy walks away and he just stares at him and he smiles and doesn't say a word. He's like, you all right? Like what's going on? He just smiles. And Mm -hmm. then the other guy comes back and he acts all normal. And then the other guy leaves again and he's just acting like a fucking wacko. Uh And so at the very end, Dave Foley punches him in the stomach really hard. And he doubles over. He's like, Oh, and then he looks down on the ground. He goes like, Hey, 50 bucks. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like that is sort of, um, your higher power. That's the higher power. That yeah. might be my higher power. Is yeah. that character in that kids in the hall skit who's it's like very well punches you in the gut and you're like fuck yeah. that hurt. Why did you do mm-hmm. that? Oh, 50 bucks. So yeah. it's best for me not to necessarily question it. Um, you know, or just for me, it's like go out in the fucking nature somewhere. So I'm in I'm, it. Snakes, I'm in it. So I just scorpions. I would okay. I would only say to anybody who is curious about getting a sponsor who is hesitant about getting a sponsor it's it's okay to be hesitant it's also it's really important to ask for help and you should really be comfortable with whoever you're asking for help for sure like if you don't feel comfortable if you're if you know if you're like yeah i don't this is not clicking for any reason i'm not saying you need to be in danger but like if you're just not getting what you what you want from it now then you leave. You're done. Right. Thank you. Right. That was, if your sponsor's like, out. you need to take your shirt off to do this fourth step. You <laughs> yes, got to bounce. Exactly. But so, yeah, I would say in this conversation, listen to John and not me. <laughs> because in my experience, fourth and fifth step, I remember my sponsor saying something like, we can do the fourth step together, but and you don't have to do your fifth step with me you don't have to vocalize it to me Mm -hmm. but if you don't then i can't help you any further and i was super suspicious i was like yeah i know you asked me about that yeah you know i was like why does he want to hear all my bad shit and turns out he didn't he wasn't interested in like some he didn't have some weird you know fetish in listening to all the miserable things i had done in my life Mm -hmm. he was actually just trying to help me so it was important for me to to, to not listen to myself in that moment where it's like, you know, that's just an excuse because you don't want to do this. But Because also, that four step sucks, dude. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, but it also taught me my relationship with my sponsor going, deciding to do this, right? It also taught me to trust. 
because I had a whole, I had been spending my whole life in mistrust and distrust. And so it was like, oh, so I did this and it worked. So I felt like I gained a little bit of my trust in the world back. Now, there are mm -hmm. plenty of reasons to mistrust everything and anything in the world, right? I mean, it's fucked out there. Yeah. Don't turn your phone on, man. It will ruin your day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Don't dude. check the news. But that was something that I found was like, oh, okay. So there are people out there who do want to help you. So find them. And if you don't feel comfortable around somebody, then leave. What do you say? Just ghost them. Just ghost it, dude. Just fucking. Simpson, Homer through the bushes. Right? Homer in the hedges, dude. Yeah. Homer in the hedges. That's right. Homer in the hedges, dude. Um. So I think that, yeah, man, go to a fucking meeting. That's what you yeah, would tell me to do. Go to a meeting. God damn it. <clears throat> I'm going to go to one. I had somebody reach out to me. They're like, are you doing in-person meetings in your home group or whatever? And I have no idea. I haven't fucked with that because, you know, the COVID. But I think now that I've gotten You're my fully shots, vaxxed, huh? I'm You're fully, vaxxed, I am waxed and vaxxed. <laughs> waxed, vaxxed, and ready to fucking stack, stack that ass. Stack that ass, yes. <laughs> um, it's going to be a vax boy summer is what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, I think, um, I, I think it's, I think having a mentor, having a friend, having somebody, whether it feels like an equal, it doesn't have to feel like a, it's not like fucking Hogwarts, dude. You don't have no. to find, you know, you don't got to find your house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You don't got to like, I, I put you in house sniffing piss or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> house chugging. <laughs> chugging truly's mm, have house plug in the jug i'm in house white claw mm. <laughs> yeah, right house white claw yeah. that's good that's good yeah. um what else was i gonna say oh just uh r.i.p to shock g now yeah dude shit dude i like him yeah me too he's too young yeah mm. but well. so mm. Um, I want to I want to end it there. Please yeah. stay tuned for the uh, I'll have the conversation with my sponsor, uh, Joe, after this. And um, thanks for thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you for asking me. John. Yeah. Yeah. It's the. The idea of sponsorship, I think, and we we rarely do we hear it outside of the program. You don't hear about somebody sponsoring somebody and it always seems it has a very, at least it did for me, a very sort of secretive connotation, right? It has a, <laughs> and that's how I, that's how I saw it at first. Like, what does that mean? And what do I have to do? And what sort of, you know, this, I think sometimes what's what's conjured up in people's minds is you know freemasons and secret societies and what kind of flogging and and you know <laughs> will i have to go through now hazing hazing yes now there was plenty of self-flagellation in uh in the whole process certainly but that was nothing that i was a stranger to but um sure, you... it's funny though uh mm -hmm. to me the when I was introduced to this concept of sponsorship. My f really first introduction to it, I think, the, for the the term, sort of really come from Ray Carter. 
private. Like if we're, uh, you know, a stock car driver, your sponsor might be Pennzoil <gasps> or something like that, right? Yes. So that's, I grew up in Detroit. So that's, okay. I know about sponsors from, or now a word from our sponsor, which is like, you got know, it. Colgate yes. or, or whatever. So somebody who's going to promote you or help you through your pay your way in a, in a sense. Exactly. Right. right. Um, yeah. So this is a different concept of, of being jumped into the gang. Right. So I think, well, you're talking about, <laughs> I think mine came from a serious, um, serious place of mistrust in everything and, and everyone. Right. That, at least that's, mm -hmm. that's how I felt it. And, um, and I was just curious what your reaction was to me in those first, like even the first time that I came and asked you, I remember being very trepidatious. I remember being very cynical about it, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to ask some questions and I'm going to try and figure this thing out. And I had heard you say some things I'd heard you speak and was like, this person seems calm. <laughs> this person seems respectful. And um, this person seems rational, which was all of none of the things that I was at the time when I had, mm -hmm. you know, quit. And what is the, the saying? Find someone who has what you want. And so yes. what was your your initial reaction of me? coming to ask you about whether or not this is a good idea. I don't know if you remember. Well, uh, I do. And I remember you're being kind of fearful. Yeah. Right. And uh, <clears throat> with that very raw, um, still kind of detoxing deer in the headlights sort mm. of look. Right. Mm -hmm. And, so, um, I don't know. At that time, I had maybe five years sobriety. Yeah, I think something like that, and um, maybe a little more. And I think by then I was confident enough in um, Alcoholics Anonymous, especially, and in my journey in it to know that people you know newcomers are skittish you know and um you want to be calm and respectful i mean other people have other styles you know we sure talk about other people but we don't need to but some people are way more heavy-handed or you know Look, kid, you know, you don't want to drink? Don't drink. Because yeah. if you drink, you're going to die, you know. And, I mean, I my message was the same, mm. but just a different delivery. <laughs> right. And But that was so important to me because I had heard and tried to listen to some uh, guys who were far more heavy-handed. And I was... Mm instantly turned off like instantly <laughs> like this is these it just reminded me 
And I'm, and not to say I'm grateful that those, those men exist and that they're able to help each other and they get something from it because I truly believe that it has a place and it's important and it has so much value. I think the level of testosterone just reminded me of high school <laughs> and the parts that I hated, you know? And so it was, it was more your introspective way that I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, maybe I can try this with him. And my friend Jerry's dad said, he's, you know, and he's been sober for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. And he said, look, you don't have to marry the guy. All right. If it doesn't work out, you just, you just find yourself another one, whatever move on. you move on. And so that was another thing where I was like, this is not permanent, but, um, but, but being, you know, you said like you had five or six years on and you're like, I'm finally, or you had, I don't know if you had sponsored people before, but you felt comfortable mm -hmm. and confident in your sobriety that you were able to yeah. do this for me. Yeah. Um, and you, your approach, which was very soft and I think very important for me, um, was extremely helpful. I mean, do you, yeah. You talk about, you know, newcomers being skittish and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I had realized and, you know, have realized, but had realized at that point is that, um, and I'm, my, my deal is alcohol. I mean, I'm not really going to talk about drugs because that's a different topic. Mm-hmm talking about Alcoholics Anonymous and alcohol as a drug. Its classification is of a depressant. So alcohol is a depressant. And many alcoholics are already depressive types before they get into alcohol. Mm -hmm. right? And then the, they discover this effect that alcohol has, which makes you feel better somehow. Like you kind of lose yourself in this, you know, buzz of warmth and whatever. The thing is, it's a trap, if, especially if you're a depressive type, because mm -hmm. you can't <laughs> overcome depression by taking depressants. It's just not possible, though many people try. You know, and we can look at the annals of people just just in show business of the, the people who took depressants and, with alcohol to try and overcome their depression. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's that. And then there's, you know, from my own experience, I realized that the place I had got to with all of it was my self-esteem was extremely low. And so I could relate to other people, you know, men, but not just men, mm -hmm. other people that I met in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous who were suffering from lack of self-esteem, you know, and it's, I think one of the greatest things about AA is that, um, you know, if you're not afraid, you know, 
if you're willing to learn something about yourself, um, there's an incredible boost up, you know? Yeah. And the, the thing that I experienced, uh, and first coming into the rooms and, you know, confronting my illness, you know, um, I've, it felt like I was on a roller coaster that I didn't want to be on, you know, like the bad one, you know, that really steep, mm -hmm. you know, like I was going up and up and up and up and ching, 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 ching. And I was going to reach the top and go. And what happened was that was happening, but I didn't realize that I was on this cart that was being pulled up backwards out of this pit and it was going ching, 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 just up to like ground level, mm -hmm. just, you know? And it was a big surprise to me. Like, uh, certainly it was a big relief, but it was a big surprise. Like, wow, I just had it all upside down, you know? Yeah. So being attuned to that and then seeing people, you know, coming in raw, people like one person I met who literally crashed into the door of the place on their bicycle because they were so drunk and smashed into it and fell off and they were bleeding, you know? And um, no brainer for me to like help them up and kind of run some paper towels under cold water and clean up their blood. You know, I mean, it was all good, mm -hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> you don't have to be this self-destructive anymore. Yeah. If you don't want to. Yeah. You know? So. And you, you point, you know, one of the things you said to me was that this book, you're like, think of it as like life, the missing manual. And when I was able to look past, at least in the beginning of our time mm -hmm. together, look past mm -hmm. the God word and kind of look at it as like, okay, so these are sort of suggestions I can follow for a better life. And it made it a lot, a lot of it a lot easier to swallow. And I was like, oh, okay. So this doesn't have to be just about finding God so I don't drink. That's 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 a very narrow view of of all of this. Um, I sure. think in a lot of ways that's that that became very true for me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, but it was a very narrow view, and I was like, okay, so. Let's just forget about it. And then I started to realize if I, whatever's bothering me, if I put that in place of the word alcohol in this book, all this stuff applies. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty, <laughs> it gets pretty broad, pretty fast, you know? And right. again, when I first met you, um, I'll be honest, John, I could see a really wonderful person inside there. You know, I mean, a beautiful person and what i really wanted was for that beautiful person to blossom you know so there you are well thank you yeah thank you i'm, I'm doing i'm doing my best these days i feel it feels better yeah. and better every single day you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. um and i another thing that i remember from our time was 
and I think this is important when trying to help somebody else out that I remember sitting there and I remember telling you some stuff about my dad and you did a very typical Joe pause breath and you looked up at me and you said, John, there are going to be some things that I can help you with. And there are going to be some things where I genuinely think you need to get professional help. <laughs> and, you know, this was one of those things. And, <laughs> and, and I think that there was in the back of my mind, well, I'm just going to unload on this person. They're going to fix my problems for me. And that was a moment where I realized, okay, well, our time together is going to be focused here on the things that we have in common and the things that you know work to help me fix the problems that I have. Yeah. And that the you root can help things. me with. Yeah. Yeah. The root things that determine our behaviors, you know, mm -hmm. the root causes and conditions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's very common um, in uh, alcoholism for um, children to have difficult relations with parents. It's very common, and it's very common for sons to have broken relations with fathers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, alcohol alcohol is right there. You know. And I think one of the great things about the mentoring process in Alcoholics Anonymous is that, you know, people who, you know, men who go through the program with another man, you know, with a sponsor and do the work and the steps like in the, I'm very old school, you know, I. I have an old school sponsor who has an old school sponsor and there's a lot of value in that, that I have come yeah. to appreciate. And what I saw and, you know, saw happen for me and it happens for other people that I have sponsored as well is that there is a reparenting process, right? I don't like to use that term necessarily, but that's really what is happening. And it's, you know, did you ever think you you could do this a different way? You know, it's like a good question you would hear from a sponsor, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking at this whole, you know, your history of uh, dysfunctional behavior. We don't call it that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but, you know, at this point, that point and that point, there's a pattern, you know, and this this is part of the value of the work and writing it down too is that we begin to see our own patterns and yeah, we can. Nothing has ever been known to fall out of an open mind, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I mean, you, I was, I still remember like not wanting to go to your house. And like, it was so much, like the whole afternoon would be full. I would be so tense, you know, and like hanging out with my girlfriend and like, I got to go do this thing and I want to do this mm -hmm. thing. It's good. And I would come home and I would start crying and she's like, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, everything's okay. But it was really, it was really, some nights were, were, you know, some weeks were rougher than others, but it was just very mm -hmm. emotional. 
yeah. And um, and the it's just the reparenting because I didn't have that for so long or was there was no there was nobody there to tell me otherwise about my behavior. And mm-hmm. when you put it in again, the language is so important because when you talk about finding the patterns, then all of a sudden, all of the bad things that I'm supposed to write down and share with you. Like I, be, I, I looked at it more objectively and it didn't, it wasn't about, well, just tell me all your awful, awful behaviors <laughs> so that we can relive them and make you miserable, you know, or make you regretful or, or make, make you, you want to drink and make you want to drink. Exactly. Right. And then <laughs> exactly. And it's like, God, I want to do this because it's just make me want to drink again. Cause I don't want to remember this. I don't want to, but trying to find patterns so that we can break those patterns and create something new. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I, I, I never yet met one person uh, who went through this process that was eager to do so, (laughs) you know, it, it's counterintuitive. It's Mm -hmm. not where we want to go. You know, yeah. we don't really want to look at that, you know, and yet that's where we're going to learn the most, you know, mm-hmm. is, yeah, because the boogeyman, it's part of us, you know, it's a, it's an ugly little hunk of ego that's hanging out there and still when we get to that point, and it can make us cry because it's sad. You know, it's a, it's a sad little place. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and still, the part of, for me, part of the sadness is I don't have to hurt myself anymore over this. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I I don't, and I now have. Uh, yeah, means and ways to not do that. You know, um, self-medicating mm-hmm. heavily like that is, we don't think of it that way, but it's so painful, you know. I mean. Severe repercussions for sure, yeah. Yeah, it's super um, unhealthy and, <clears throat> and self, you know, it's masochistic. It's a, you know. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just it wasn't just the big book, but you had given me over, you know, the course of, of knowing you, you've given me a few different books, and um, one of which took me years to read <laughs> before, but it sat on the shelf, and it and it's just I get, these things. You'd probably agree to this, agree with this that these things come in due time, right? They it just they yeah. they come when you're ready, and so you handed me this book called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Oh, yeah, Henry Nowen, and I. It took me years before I, I started. I just started this pattern where I was waking up and I was reading something, and so I was like, "Let me go through all the books on my shelf before I buy anything else." That's the responsible thing to do. You have plenty to read, yeah, yeah, because um, it's easy to just buy books and not read them. So I started reading this and I finished it, and um, you, I, I, I think I texted you and said, "Wow, what an amazing book!" And I sent it to my brother and. I don't know if he's read it. I don't think he has, but 
it'll sit there until it's he does there. right <laughs> exactly <laughs> but the way that you described it as a um how did you say maybe you can talk a little bit about this book um but it was about mature or evolved masculinity i think is the way that you put it and it just made uh -huh. so much sense to me about how who i am as a man and what that really truly means to be masculine rather than not just the testosterone fueled you know saturday morning rooms which again is important for some people it just didn't fit with me, but this book really kind of opened me up to what masculinity can mean. Yeah. So, um, I mean, another thing, uh, phenomena, um, some studies have been done about this and, uh, it's quite interesting when you look at it. And that is that, the age we are when we really start drinking alcoholically, which is for effect, right? Mm -hmm. That's the age that we stop maturing. So let's say I was 16 when I began to really drink alcoholically to like stuff feelings and not adjust properly to my sexuality and all these things you know just like i was like mm -hmm. um yeah i stayed that in that place and then when we stop self-medicating we start growing maturing again right so it's a it's a huge growth inhibitor and growth mm. stunter and um, many people get badly damaged because the last really big brain surge that happens for adolescents, you know, for human beings is 17 to 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And if you're like pouring alcohol over your, all your brain cells continuously in those years, yeah. you may you know, be 53 years old and not much more beyond 20 emotionally, you know, and I have seen this and it's, yeah. that's sad too. So yeah. Yeah. The mature masculine, you know, how to be, you know, I'm glad you read it. I really, am. <laughs> <laughs> I did. it just, it, yeah, I, I just, and I, it's I also, relate it's a, with, it's a slim book, you mm -hmm. know, it's what, maybe a hundred pages or. Yeah. So, you know, and it's just so real, you know, and pithy mm -hmm. and, um, became one of my favorite stories, even though, you know, when I originally introduced to it in the context of Christianity and mm -hmm. you know, the Bible, I don't think I really, you know, yeah, it's just could relate. It, it just connected, and also because you know it's about a father and an oldest son and the youngest son, and not only do I understand that dynamic in my own family, mm -hmm. but also I could see myself as each one of those people. And again, yeah. there's probably some 
father, son, Holy ghost business going on subtext wise, but mm-hmm. it just really made a lot of sense about how important it was to be that as a man, it's more important for me to be thoughtful and kind and to find my power in that mm-hmm. than in any sort of show of force. Yeah. Which is what I think I got from it mostly. Yes. Yes, yes. And um again this goes back again to this um mentoring mm-hmm. idea, you know, and the uh society without the father, you know. Both modeling but also defining, you know, the hot edges like mm-hmm. oh that shit is just dead wrong. Mm-hmm. That's don't do that. That's wrong. You know. I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think so, that. Well, just you know, like you said, pouring alcohol all over it at such an early age. I can tell you from personal experience, <laughs> did a number on me. It took me until thirty-eight yeah, it, to quit drinking, and I was nowhere near that age when I quit drinking. Yeah, it's. I'm still playing catch up. <laughs> no, it's good, and so am I. You know, mm-hmm. all good. Um, that that book, <clears throat> you know, I don't give to everyone because it's not a book for everyone. But there are other books that are related that I enjoy uh, sharing with people. And uh, for some people, the book and the book that really helped me tremendously like to dive into the literature was One Breath at a Time by Kevin Griffin. So if you want a non-theistic approach to mm-hmm. recovery and the 12 steps, that is the best book that I know of. Um, then there's another one, which is maybe a super spiritual approach, which is also not that Christian, is um, Breathing Underwater by Richard Rohr. Um, spirituality and the 12 steps and again for me that book is for when you're a ways on in your journey and you're looking for some more traction in your program you know then Mm -hmm. that's an excellent book whereas um one breath at a time is great if you can read and you just need something to grab onto because you mm-hmm. don't want to drink. That's a right. fantastic book. Right. So I have all these books that I pass on to people just depending where they're at. Yeah. And I think, um, too, one of the other, I remember you saying to me during one of our, our sessions and um, <laughs> first you said, are you allergic to kneeling? And I was like, what? <laughs> and you're like, all right, well, cause we're going to, I need you to, you know, get down on your knees and pray with me. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to roll through this. Cause I think at that point I was still very much like, I don't think this is for me. I don't think this is going to work, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm, I'm here. So I'm going to do it. I'm not going to fight it while yeah. I'm here. I'm going to, I'm in this man's house. I'm going to show him the respect and, you know, like, and then I was just assuming that at some point this was just, I was just going to not, show up again but every week would come by and i was like okay i want to show up and and the spirituality aspect of this is consistently 
either people are threatened by it, scared of it, have had it forced on them as a child. Um, yeah, bad experience with religion. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, and that was my case. Um, and, you know, one of the things I remember you sharing with me, your concept that you had developed for a, for a higher power. And I was like, oh, okay. Here's a guy who's, you know, you have found something that tangible is the wrong word, but you were able to give it a, a name and, and have some defining characteristics of it. And that really helped me to go, okay, so I can make a little more sense of this and it doesn't have to be the either scary or, or hurtful religion from the past. It doesn't even mm -hmm. have to be that or at the all. judgmental, you know, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, true spirituality has nothing to do with shame. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially yeah. or blame, you know, not at all. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, I, I can't thank you enough <laughs> for, you know, the time that we spent together. Um, and that road, my friend, goes both ways. <laughs> right? That's that's what they say, right? Um, and it's... Um... Well, it, it is true. And I, I'm so happy that it worked for you. Right? Me too. Yeah. Because, you know, the first six people that I sponsored, I have no idea where they are. They all of them relapse. Actually, I know... One of them died from this disease. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I got extremely discouraged at that point. And, you know, I was whining to my sponsor about it. <laughs> and he just kind of, he <clears throat> took hold of me. You know, he grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, Joseph, you stayed sober. That's all you need to know, you know? Yeah. Go get another one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, and, and I want to, uh, my last thing that I want to ask you is, or, or ask of you is if there's anybody who's hesitant on taking a sponsee or getting a sponsor, um, what, what advice or what's, what suggestions might you have for somebody who is not really sure about it one way or the other. Okay. So if you're new, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't look for a sponsor. Listen for a sponsor. When you hear someone, especially in a meeting context, you know, say something that just resonates, you know, that's the moment at which you realize I want what that person has. That's what that means. You know, I, I want to be able to see that for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And no, I want to be able to know that for myself. So listen for a sponsor. And when you hear someone making that much sense, you'll know, and then you'll look at them and you'll be afraid to ask, but just go and ask. And, I did that at this really big meeting and uh, the man 
that I asked said no. He said, oh, I'm just, I'm working with so many guys. I'm too busy. I just can't, I'm sorry. Can you just please ask somebody else? You know, which mm. that's a horrible feeling. Like, like you get up the nerve, the courage to ask someone and they say no. So I like turned away and walked away. And this other guy who was standing about 20 feet away, he says, were you just talking to that guy? I said, yeah. He said, did you ask him to sponsor you? I said, yes. And he said, uh, did he tell you no? I said, yeah. He said he was too busy. He said, you go back there and you tell him, fuck you. Tell him I said, fuck you, right? So I was like turning red, you know, with embarrassment, but I turned around and went back and I said, that guy over there said I should tell you, fuck you. And then he turned beet red because that was his sponsor. <laughs> like, Busted. you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't tell people no. Yeah. He was busted. I'm getting goosebumps just telling that story. You know, it was that was that was real juice. Yeah. That was again good modeling. That was like the mm -hmm. the grandpa, you know, telling the father, ouch, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So and then if if you're wondering like whether you should sponsor someone, the answer is yes. You you know you're ready. When will I be ready? Um, it's not like having sex the first time, really. And uh, the main reason that to do so is because you will stay sober. Yeah. You know, as it says in the text, nothing will ensure your own sobriety so much as working with a newcomer. When all else fails, you feel like I'm going to take a drink, go, go to a meeting and find, you know, this, I was doing this all the time, asking people, people like you, whether you have a sponsor, you know? Yeah. Oh no, I'm good, man. No, you're not. <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would say, too, just from personal experience, if you're going to ask somebody, be prepared to get a response. Because I remember the night that I sent you a message on Facebook with my phone number, like, I'm just going to say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this. And I thought, well, I'll just put that off and I won't hear from somebody for a couple of days. You were on the road to a gig or to go see some live music or to uh -huh. go play some live music in the city. And you had called me from the car and you were like, hey, this is Joe. I just got your message on Facebook like minutes later. And I was like, uh, 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 I wasn't ready for this. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Next Tuesday, seven o'clock. Um, perfect. And I was like, oh, shit. So <laughs> it was and it was it was exactly it was supposed to be. So, yeah, perfect. I um I appreciate I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and um, and well, we went time. on for a while. I see that, and yes, um, hopefully <laughs> so. uh, you'll you'll edit it well, or I'll I'll see if it. I mean, I don't think it needs any editing, but I will uh, okay. I will give it a listen. And um, All right. thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. You're really welcome. Thank you, John, for inviting me. Appreciate it as well.
Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>